Hey everybody, welcome back to Simply Holy, a practical guide for making the holidays holy days. And we are about 50 days away from 2018 and I just am shocked. It's just going so fast and Jay and I were talking to somebody the other day that's about 15 years older than us and he was just talking about how the days just keep going faster the older you get and I was like, man, I'm going to have to adjust to this new normal, this new schedule because it is throwing me for a loop. But we're about 50 days away from 2018 and we are, as a reminder, we have decided, if you're on this journey, you have decided that you're going to turn this season upside down. We're always trying to turn the world upside down, but we are going to turn this season upside down. We're going to take what we've been taught practically from infancy, that at this time of year we eat a little bit more and we, uh, we, we spend a little too much and we basically indulge our sinful natures. I hate to be so blunt, but really that's what's going on. We, it's the acceptable debauchery time of the year where, oh, it's Christmas, of course, of course, you know, I'll, you know, I'll go on a diet later, whatever, because we have allowed ourselves this special time to be able to indulge our sinful natures a little bit more and say, it's okay. And we're saying, no, we're not going to do that. We're actually going to take it back and we're going to do exactly the opposite. We're going we're gonna to eat less. We're going to spend less. We're going to do less because we're going to use this time to draw near to God. And I want you to look around at nature right now and just use it as a teacher for what's going on in your life right now. You know, what's going on is in, in, in nature is that the, the leaves are turning. They're turning gold and um, there's beautiful tones of gold and orange and red and they're just gorgeous. But what's going to happen with those gorgeous leaves is that they're going to fall off one by one. They fall to the ground and we're left with a bare tree. And that's what God does during this time of year. And it's beautiful. That's what we have to start seeing is like God is trying to strip away all of these things, this old growth that I had, which is beautiful. All the growth that you've had this year is beautiful, but he's going to allow those things to fall off so that you can become stripped clean so that he can create new growth in you because we need that time. You know, you've got to have the pruning time before you can have the new growth time. In just a couple weeks, I know my gardener's going to come back and cut my roses all the way back to just sticks. It's going to look like two sticks sticking out of the ground. And I'm going to think, what? How does this work? But they're just these little sticks and it's going to be like that for a few months. And then in the spring, they're going to have all this new growth. And that's what God's trying to do to you. He's like, yeah, you need to cut back right now. <laughs> I'm going to cut you back. I want to strip you clean. I want you to draw near to me. I want you to know what's important. I want you to stop relying on yourself and all the things that you've come up with to keep you going. I want to show you that I can create new things in you. And yes, you're going to have to be stripped clean. So enjoy that process. I think it's it's a beautiful one. It would get rid of all the sin that so easily entangles. And we're going to um, start fresh in, in 2018. But today I wanted to just talk about a, one concept um, and I call it the, the, the pile up. And I don't know if this is a very good um, word for it, but we're, you'll see whatever, um, later. You can make your own decision whether it's a good term or not. I'm always coining these new terms because I'm like, I'm trying to make sense of or explain whatever I'm going through in my life. But anyway, okay, so I want to start with um, this story. Actually, it comes out of... Um, something that you'll hear a lot, uh, if you listen to me at all, is that you'll hear about little 
practices that you can do that will help you to become more holy. That's the practical side of Simply Holy. There is this whole mysterious side, but the practical side is there's little things that you can do in your life that will help you, that will open you up to becoming more holy. And hopefully you will adopt one this year and maybe you only get one and then one that carries on. You know, you try to get so much, but then one that really gets into you and you're doing it the next year when it comes back around and then maybe next year you'll get another holy practice but you know one of those things I talk about all the time is opening your eyes and saying thank you God exactly when you get up in the morning right when your eyes open that you teach yourself to say thank you God I'm alive and this is the time where you are forcing yourself to be grateful um, even if you don't feel it, you're going to say all the things you're grateful for. Thank you for my bed. Thank you for this house. Thank you that I'm alive. Thank you that it's warm in here. Thank you that I have hot water. Thank you. And all the things that you're going through the more you're going to say thank you for each one of those things because you are going to be saying out loud what you should be feeling, whether you are not. That's how you teach yourself to be holy. It's not hypocritical. There's no one around. <laughs> it's, it is you teaching yourself right thinking. It is, it's it's Philippians. It's 4-8. It's how you 4-8 everything. You go, whatever's true and whatever's noble, whatever's right. I'm going to think about those things. And that's you teaching yourself to do that. And then the next thing I, I talked about is then you, in, during your quiet time in the morning, right after that, you open your hands and you say, God, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is his day, whatever he's come up with for the day, not your day, not your agenda. And help me not to hold on to my agenda for the day, but let me say whatever you want to happen today, God, that's what I want to make happen. Help me to do your will on earth as it is in heaven. That's the standard and it's not too high. We are going to pray every day to do on earth what the angels are doing in heaven, or whoever's in heaven, whatever's going on in heaven, we want to be like whatever's going on in heaven. Um, but we're saying, I'm, I have a plan for today, God, but I open my hands and I'll let you change it. Your plan should reign over my plan. And we say, this is your day. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. And if it doesn't line up with my own thinking, I'm going to change my thinking to say God's thinking is always right, right? So that's another spiritual practice. Well, I was practicing this <laughs> um, the other day and my, my week was, and this is so funny because my week was going so well that I had gotten up that morning and I was, uh, you know, going through my whole thing and I was actually not even out of the shower yet, but I was praying and God said, you need to get ready all the way, all the way dressed to the shoes like you're walking out the door. And dressed to the shoes is a thing that I've talked about before, if you've heard me talk about it. It's just the whole concept that when you get up in the morning, get dressed all the way, go through every single thing. I don't care if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you homeschool, if you're going to college, if you're whatever you're doing, get dressed all the way to the shoes because it shows that you are ready, you're ready for service today, that you are showing up for work, and you're showing up for work for God because he's got good things and, and he's planned in advance for you to do today. And it shows that, that, that you think that by the way that you prepare yourself for that day. And uh, that's a whole nother lesson for people who stay home. You really do need to get dressed all the way to the shoes. It shows that you think what you're doing is important um, and that you're not just, you know, anyway. So that's a whole nother lesson. But I had been doing that, so uh, I, God was like, you got to get all the way dressed, all the way out, so you're ready to walk out the door. Now, that's another level, because I hadn't been doing that, because I don't usually walk out the door, but on Wednesdays, I do. So, but I was like, God, I don't have to walk out the door till 9, 9.15, you know, we're, we're good. It's like 5 o'clock in the morning or 6 o'clock in the morning, something like that. 
Oh, it was five o'clock in the morning. That's that's. He was talking to me. He was like, "No, you need to get ready. Get all the way ready." So I did. I got everything ready. Made my bed. Got everything in the bag ready to go out, walk out the door, and um, you know, all of everything that I need to do. And sure enough, I'm fixing a cup of coffee at six o'clock, and my daughter walks into the kitchen. Now this is my 11-year-old, who and she is panicked. She's like. I forgot. I have to give a speech today and I'm not ready. And I was like, oh my gosh. And you know how that feels, you know, when you wake up in a panic because you forgot something and all of a sudden you remember it. Like, oh. So that was her. So she is in it. Now she already suffers from uh, high anxiety. So this was a huge moment. And I was like, I see God. <laughs> okay. I needed to be ready to go because this is going to be my entire the next three hours of my life is going to be this right here. So I was like, okay, I got to figure, I, I got, thank you, God. You know what I mean? But it was one of those moments where I'm like, I'm so glad I could hear God's voice. And that's the deal is that during this time of year, we're trying to, trying to get to where we can hear God's voice better and that we can follow him. We really follow his lead. And we can't do that when my mind is numb because I overate or I stayed up late watching Netflix or I've been filling my mind with a bunch of gunk, I can't hear God. And when you get rid of stuff and you do less, then you can hear God's voice more clearly. So anyway, I'm having this great thing happen on Wednesday where I'm like thinking, man, I am doing great. And then the pile up happens. And this is what I'm referring to. You know, when you are um, traveling cross country, maybe on a road trip, um, you know, you start off and, you know, we, we used to drive a lot from uh, L.A. We would drive all the way back to Oklahoma City or Little Rock, Arkansas. And um, as you're driving away, you know, cars all clean, windshield's beautiful. And as you're driving, you know, these little bugs start hitting the windshield. And after a while, it's so gross. I mean, you when you stop for gas after a, a few hundred miles, you're like, well, we got to clean that windshield because you can hardly see out of it anymore because it's covered with gunk from all the bugs that are, you know, dead on it now. So anyway, so you have to clean your windshield. And I feel like that's what happens to me in life is it's a lot of stuff that's just being thrown at me all at once, all at once, and just gets stuck, stuck, stuck. And pretty soon I can't see anymore. And it could be a ton of little things rather than huge things. But what I have found to be mostly true is it's always a mixture. It's a mixture. It's everything. I, I go, okay, so I've got this one kid. Okay, so you might have a situation with one kid that is just extraordinarily heartbreaking or overwhelming, or you just, it's a continual parents that you know how I'm, what I'm talking about when you have this continual ache in your soul because you sense that something's not right with one of your kids spiritually. And then maybe you have another situation where another kid's just having problems in, in something that's going on at school. Or maybe you have a problem at work where uh, the, the boss is being very demanding and you can't keep up or you've become involved with this other organization and it's overwhelming you. And then you've got this responsibility of, oh, I'm teaching this class right now and then, oh, I've got to get out these emails to go over there. And then I've got, you know, and it, you know, all this, all these responsibilities or whatever it is that's just little peck, peck, peck. It's just those little bugs hitting the windshield and it's just piling up over time. And so it's the big things and it's the little things. It's the heart wrenching things. And then it's the stupid things. And I, you know, the, the, I think the epitome for me was when, or the breaking point for me was when I went to get something out of the refrigerator and, um, there was this big Pyrex, uh, like sort of casserole dish in there, and it was precariously perched on something, obviously, because the minute I opened up the door, it went, and it slid out, and I don't even know how this is possible, but it hit the, um, what are those things called, the um, 
there's little shelves on the door, you know, the little shelves that hold all the condiments in your refrigerator. So it comes out and it goes, and it ripped the um, shelf off of the, off of the door. Everything falls to the ground. So all of these, you know, it's like this pickle jar and this, you know, salad dressing. It's all laying on the ground and it's covered with this casserole, this leftover casserole on the floor. And this is in the middle of my day when I was like, wait, I think I just need to get something to eat real quick before we leave. <laughs> and I was like, I cannot, I've never even seen that happen. I'm, I'm 49. I've never even seen this happen before. How, how is this even possible? You know what I'm saying. So I know what I just described is your daily life too. And then, you know, you realize I shouldn't be really irritated by this. The, the printer is, it doesn't work, but you know, the printer, I'm supposed to have this wireless printer, but it's not working. I gotta stick my, I gotta always plug it in. I'm like, what? And I'm, and I know it's a rich people problem. I know, I know these are first world problems in my head, but the pile up just feels unending. And, um, but what that, I could handle until the demons all start coming and shouting and shouting. You've got demons of discouragement, de demons of despair, demons of doubt, you know, all the D's. <laughs> all of those bad demons that send me back to self-pity, this is too hard, I should just give up, you're such a failure anyway, and it's just the screaming, screaming of all your failures and all your... Um, all, all the ways that you have messed up and all the things that you're not good at and all the stuff that's not working and who are you anyway and just shut up and you know it's that ugh, the demonic shouting and you have to get to the point where you really are like I, 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 I have to drown this out but there's times I know that I've got to get that drowned out by God but no matter how much Bible I read and no matter, and I can't even find the right song, which is really unusual for me because usually if I can get my, there's ways to fight that back. You know, if you will play spiritual music in your ears and it will just over, it, you, you keep singing, you keep singing, you sing your heart into his presence. You sing until the demons have to flee. Um, you flee from Satan, you know, you, you run from him and um, you are drowning him out. Um, you get prayer going. You ask other people to pray for you. So there's all these things, but there's even times I have found myself this week. I was like, no matter what I try, I'm reading Bible, I'm listening, and I can't get it through. And then I started realizing because I was visioning, you know, like it's that sort of like legion um, where there's so many demons inside of that guy. And I was like, there's so many demons attacking me. But then I remembered, yes, there are a lot of demons, but I have a great cloud of witnesses around me and it reminded me again of Hebrews 11 which I know you're familiar with but I've been listening to Hebrews 11 lately over and over I've been listening to it uh, I, I listen to the Bible in, uh, usually in the afternoon as I'm resting and I'll and I will not off I'll go to sleep but it's a beautiful thing to go to sleep to but I'm just going to read a lot of it to you right now so in um, Hebrews 11 now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see this is what the ancients were commended for. And now it's going to go through this whole thing that we have to do to ourselves sometimes when we are just waning so much in our faith and we are listening and we can't drown out the demons. But he goes through and he starts at the very beginning. He goes, remember this, remember this, remember this. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what was seen was not made out of what was visible. That's right. I do believe, I believe. 
God created the universe. It's all belonging to Him. He is the author of creation. He is my maker. Life is about being right with my maker. Life is being right with the creator. I've got to remind myself, yes, that is what I believe. <laughs> By faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as, as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. That's right. We do what is right. We do what is right no matter how anybody else feels about it. Okay, I remember. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. Before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I'm reminding myself, yes, I want to make it my goal to please him. That's my, that is my theme scripture for this season. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. That's right. I do things that appear really ridiculous to other people. I am a woman of faith. I live by the Bible. I'm a holy person. I am going to look different. I'm going to buy different things. I'm going to do different things than my neighbors. I can't please them. I only have to please God. And I'm going to, that leads to righteousness. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations who architect and whose architect and builder is God. That's right. I open my hands and I follow God every single day. I obey him. Even though I don't know where he's leading that day, I obey him even though I don't know. And it's because I keep my mind focused on what is to come. I believe in heaven. I believe in it as if it is here right now. And I will remind myself that that's where I'm going. And I, this world is temporary. I live in a tent. This world is a tent. I'm living for the world that is to come. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah was barren, was enabled to become father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, as he was as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sands on the seashore. That's right, no matter what it looks like, I don't care how dim and how bleak and how ridiculous ridiculous it may seem. If God promised it, it's going to happen. And I'm going to live as if it's going to happen. I don't see how. It's hard for me to picture. I don't know this is going to work out for this person or that. I don't know. But I, I'm going to be like Abraham. I'm going to put my mind back on, yes, I believe. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on this earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. 
If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he prepared a city for them. Right now, you are completely different than everyone else that is around you. You don't care. We're getting to the point where we go, I don't care. I'm not living for this world. I'm not living for the accolade of man. I'm not living for the praise of man. I'm not living for that next promotion. I'm not living to have a better house. I'm not living for more money. I'm not living so that my kids will turn out a certain way. I'm not comparing myself to anybody else. I'm not looking sideways. I'm looking up, period. And I'm drowning out. You see what's happening right now? We are drowning out those demons. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said it is through Isaac the drawspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the death. I will do what God asks no matter what it looks like. I'm going to believe God is good. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of the staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. By, by faith, parents... Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. How much can we say about this? How afraid can we be just looking at the state of America and the people around us and the way that the country is so full of hatred? Got to get your mind off of that and go, I am thinking about God and God alone. I am living for his country. I am living for what's happening spiritually. Come what may, whatever happens around here, I'm going to focus on God. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he led, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried, they were they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to talk about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David, Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and regained what was promised, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute and persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. 
These were all commended for their faith, yet not one of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Do you hear that? He's saying they were living by faith. They were living for what God was going to do. And only through us who get to experience that, us together with them, they are right there with us experiencing these promises. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from simple men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And you know, it says so that. (laughs) It says so that. At the end of that, so that what? So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Are you weary, disciple? Have you lost heart in what you started 20 days ago? Are you weary? I am. I was. But we are going to drown that out because we have a great cloud of witnesses. We have to do what it says to do. We have to consider Jesus who endured such opposition from sinful men so that that we will not grow weary and lose heart. If you've grown weary and if you've been losing heart, I want you to go fix your eyes on Jesus. We're going to put our eyes back on Jesus. It's not about all this stuff that's going around here. You know, somebody the other day, I heard them say that um, being overwhelmed is just another way to be self-focused. And you know what? She was right. I was like, what? That can't be true. (laughs) But it is true. Because I'm looking at all, I'm looking horizontally. I'm looking at all that I have to do, or I'm looking around at the people around me. I need to know. I have an audience of one. My, My eyes, my mind Everything has to be fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. We have a joy that is set before us. We carry our cross now, but we keep our eyes focused on what is to come. If you are weary and you've been losing heart right now, you have lost your focus. Your focus is on your problems. Your focus is not on Jesus Christ. Let this great cloud of witnesses picture it right now. They're all around you, cheering you on right now. Like, think about that. When Jesus was going to the cross, he met with these great men of the past. They are alive and well, and they are urging you on. Come on, disciple. You can do it. You can trust God. So we put our hands up. I will trust you, God. I will trust you. And I'll keep my hand up and I will keep my mind up until I believe it. I lift my hands because I don't believe and I need to. I say, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. This is how we overcome that unbelief. If you've been growing weary, if the pile up has gotten you, I want you to get your mind off the pile and put your mind back up onto Jesus Christ so that 
you will not grow weary and lose heart. Until next time.